Stephen Bailey here once again with us. It's on Locked On Syracuse. It's right now. Locked On Syracuse, your daily podcast on the Syracuse Orange. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Matt Bonaparte, Owen Valentine with you here on Lockdown Syracuse. Thanks for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcast. Stephen Bailey of 24-7 Sports back for his second round with us. Stephen, thanks for being here. No problem. Thanks for having me on. Of course. Uh, you are our training camp ear to the wall. You're our guru. Uh, so the first question I have for you, since the, since the last time we saw you, the biggest news, or maybe just some of the coolest news, is that LaQuint Allen is out here pulling down Hail Marys like Aaron Rodgers is throwing <laughs> to him. Uh, and if you listen to press conferences and whatnot like we do, you'll hear everybody's asking defenders what happened on that LaQuint Hail Mary, and they're all like, ah. <laughs> so tell us, what happened on that play? Or those two plays? Yeah, yeah they were doing – I think it was just a regular Oh no, okay. So it was like it was like kind of hurry. it was like situational team period. So I think the first one was ones versus ones with like a minute and a half and like 70 yards and a timeout and the second one was twos versus twos, shorter field, no timeouts. But basically both periods ended with the quarterback throwing up the ball and the Allen coming down with it in the end zone. The first one was off of Damian Alfred's hands and I think Michael Jones knocked it away and he was just kind of like Johnny on the spot. And the other one was a clean hands catch. He kind of went up over Austin Rune and just just caught it over him. It was it was pretty sweet. So, like, it, they're two kind of, like, funny plays. And, like, they're, you know, what whatever. Like, they're fun. But, like, I think LaQuint Allen, in terms of his overall performance, has done a lot this fall to earn a role. I think he's clearly ahead of Juwan Price, who's the New Mexico State transfer and was the Aggies' leading rusher last year. Um, I think, you know, he, I, I think he's the clear number two, and he's going to get a little work behind Sean Tucker. He's His receiving ability, I think, is really what will allow him to get on the field this year. But his future as like a three-down type guy is, is very legitimate after the All-American goes to the NFL. Interesting that you say he's a decent amount above Juwan Price. We were talking about Juwan Price as a guy who maybe is transferring into Syracuse with even more uh, experience than Abdul Adams had when he came from Oklahoma. So yeah. that's that's interesting. But as for LaQuint Allen's role this season, do you see it like a Cooper Lutz type of situation where if he's on the field, he's going to be catching a football or what? Uh, yeah, I mean, he can run the ball. It's just... I mean, look, they're going to give Sean Tucker the ball as much as they can. Like, he's the best player on the team. Like, he's a workhorse. He's in the best shape of his life. Like, it's just it just is what it is. Like, LaQuint Allen is behind the best player to come through Syracuse in a long time. So, yeah. it's like, where can you get LaQuint on the field in ways that don't take away from Sean Tucker? Um, to me, that's like a little bit of passing down stuff. Like, you, you know, Sean Tucker can't play every play. Uh, and they've worked some two-back stuff in this week. Like, I've seen LaQuint split out a little bit. 
Um, they have all different kinds of formations with different people in the backfield. Like Aronde Gadsden is going to be all over the place, including in the backfield as part of the flex wide receiver position. We've seen tight ends like line up in the backfield as well, which I guess isn't. We're seeing it a little bit more. It's it's happened in the past, particularly with Chris Elmore. But, you know, so those are the two ways I kind of see him getting in and maybe, you know, maybe spelling Tucker a little bit. But, like, I mean, he's one of the most intriguing freshmen they've had in a long time, but he's coming in behind, like, legitimately, like, the best college player they've had since I, – I don't know. I'm not sure how – probably since I've covered the team. I would say definitely since I've covered definitely, the team. Definitely, yeah. 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 So, I mean, you're, you're, you're going way back, maybe Pew or NASA, probably even, probably even better than those guys. Like yeah. McNabb, maybe McNabb, like you're not, you want to give Sean Tucker the ball as much as you yeah. possibly can. And when you're not giving him the ball, you want Garrett Schrader to be running with it in the other direction because <laughs> yeah. everyone's going to be following Sean Tucker. So LaQuint's going to be good, but I, I still think it's just hard to find a ton of opportunities for him in year one. Uh, you talk about Schrader there, so I'll, I'll ask about him now. You know, we see, you know, clips and pieces and little things and, you know, little tidbits about this and that. What have you seen out of him since we we last spoke with you? And how is, you know, the new offense sort of looking with him at the helm? Yeah, I mean, it, it's a little different day to day, right? Like, I've definitely seen him on good days, and it, it looks pretty good. I mean, we saw a third down period where he slung three – Balls in right in front of the safeties, timing routes. It was like a seam route. It was a dig. It was a crossing route. Like receiver in stride, in a pocket in zone coverage. Like, you know, really, really good throws. And, you know, he has days where he's not placing the ball quite as well, where he's a little behind a receiver. He underthrew, um, underthrew Trevor Pena uh, on a – I think it was Trevor Pena on a wheel route today. You know, it's, it's not like awful, awful, but it's not – you know, you're not allowing players to make plays after the catch. Um, to me, the biggest thing is he, he doesn't seem to be making bad decisions, at least in, at least that I have seen. When he's missing, it's an execution error, um, and, and that is a kind of a reflection on everything he said. He said he loves having a system with more options where it's not limited to this receiver is going to run one of these two routes, so you're going to need to either jam it in or, like, be ready to run and, and you know – they say they've had enough time to work through all of the possible iterations of different plays. And obviously the more, uh, the more possibilities within a route in a particular concept, the more chances you have to get it wrong and the more work you need to put in to be on the same page with the receivers. So, you know, I'm really interested to see how it goes. I think, I think you're going to see him make some good throws. My question is going to be, can he avoid the risk that comes with that, right? The opportunity to throw so many more different balls in, in, in different times against different looks. Uh, can he avoid the the high impact negative plays that, you know, if this offense, unless this offense suddenly becomes a great passing offense, like that's not what you want because you're relying on the run. You want an efficient passing game, not an ex- potentially explosive, but like high risk passing game as well. That's kind of, that's kind of how I look at it, but you know, I, I really need to see it. I've seen it again, seen it in practice in kind of team periods. It's a different test to go out and do it, especially against like an ACC team, ACC team against Louisville in week one. So I, I think Schrader has improved. Um, the question is, can he become more efficient? 
without making more mistakes. Let me take a quick break to read a PSA from the National Health and Traffic uh, Safety Administration. It can happen so easily. You're out with a few friends or coworkers. You're putting back a few drinks. A few becomes too many. It's time to go. And for a moment, you think of calling for a ride. Now nah, you're a good driver. You live nearby. You can make it home. Okay. What are the odds of getting pulled over? And even so, what's the worst that could happen? You lose your license. You lose your job. You total your car. You kill someone. It only takes one mistake to change your life or someone else's forever. Play it, play it safe and plan ahead to get a ride. Drive sober or get pulled over. Uh, and thank you for making Lockdown Syracuse your first listen every day. The ultimate college football preview is here. A seven-episode preview with college experts, local team experts, and Odyssey College Football Insiders. It's everything you need to be ready for the college football season in one spot. Search for ultimate college football preview on your Odyssey app, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Matt Bonaparte, Owen Valentine with Stephen Bailey of 24-7 Sports with you. Let's talk about this offense for a second. Probably the biggest story coming out of the offseason for Syracuse is Robert and I uh, and Jason Beck in this new offense that they're bringing over from Virginia to Syracuse. Uh, Garrett Williams, and I don't know if Stefan Thompson did, but Garrett Williams said he, he saw plays and packages he didn't have a name for and stuff he's never seen before. Have there been plays that have stuck out to you that are like, wow, that's really new or that's so different than the third and long screen we've seen for 25,000 years. What has it been like? Yeah. I mean, there's a lot in the bag for sure. I don't think you can kind of even like put it in umbrellas necessarily. Like I think, I think for the most part, the running game is going to be what you've seen. Mike Schmidt, the offensive line coach uh, has had a lot to do with it. We, he was here last year. Um, and he's worked hand-in-hand hand with Robert and I to incorporate kind of the terminology that Anai is bringing in to mesh with what they've done in the ground game. Um, there'll be a, some new wrinkles there for sure, but that's the, the passing game is what's been overhauled. Um, I think the way I like to think of it is you're going to see receivers doing a lot of different things. Um, alignments are all over the place. There's different splits. Um, you're seeing receivers on the wing, you know, running backs in the slot out wide, um, interchangeable personnel that allows you to potentially exploit a mismatch or maybe force a mistake from a new player on defense or or um, if you know how a team is going to adjust to get them in a certain look to have a certain guy run a certain route kind of situation, right? So I think it's just – it strikes me as more purposeful football versus like we're going to run – like fairly simple concepts that in theory are hard to defend, but when you don't have speed and size advantages and you have chemistry issues, like it, it devolves and like there's nothing else to really turn to because it's a very, some of the concepts are a little simpler. So I think in terms of what the receivers are actually running, you're going to see a lot more in-breaking routes, which there were not aside from like slants. There weren't a ton of them in the yeah. veer and shoot under Dino Babers. Um, you know, crossing routes, uh, back shoulder balls, a lot more, a lot more timing routes, less, you know, there are still some choice routes, but even the choice routes are like mixed in with like different concepts. Like there's one really cool concept that they've done a lot and it's a rub route with the running back and an outside receiver. So the receiver will run, I guess a slant or maybe a drag and the running back will read 
his the linebacker. And if the linebacker goes under the rub, they will go to the flat. And if they go over the rub, I'm gonna have that back. So if they go over the right, if they go over the rub, linebacker goes over the rub, the receiver go, the running back goes to the flat. And if they go under the rub, you run the angle and they come across the middle. And we've seen quite a few open touchdowns, particularly that was like one of the earliest concepts we saw in the fall. And I remember talking to Michael Jones and he was just like, it's a really difficult thing to defend because like, you know, whichever way you choose, they're going to go yeah, that other right. way. And it requires like, you know, depending on the defense, you could maybe, I guess, switch on it. Like you, you, you need to be connected as a defense and prepared for something like that. Like it's, the perfect kind of play to go after a backup linebacker, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's again, like, like purposeful and like, and like multi-layered, right? I mean, there was the, theoretically the receiver could still be open and there's other, other players doing other things on that rap, that concept. That's just the first read. Um, so that was one that I just saw and was like, Oh, like that's smart. Like I can see why you're trying to do this. Um, I think putting, you know, so that's, Kind of some of it, you see more more downfield stuff, more crossing routes. Um, receivers have spent a lot of time focusing on, like, the top of their break. I've kind of noticed and figuring out how to create separation, like selling the post and going for the corner, um, you know, and, and vice versa, trying to make – like, you have this diverse route tree, but still trying to make it look the same up until the break for, for certain routes. Um, again, like, purposeful. Like, it seems like the teaching – is tying into the scheme. Um, and, you know, maybe I just didn't get to see enough of what the old staff did. Like this is the most access we've had in a preseason camp. So I don't, I can't quite make an apples to apples comparison, but like watching the drills and the teaching um, and, and then, and then seeing the team periods, like it's easy to see it carry over. It's easy to see like what they're, what they're trying to do and the flexibility it has to work around personnel um, I think Aronde Gadsden is like the most, uh, the biggest example of that. And he's playing the flex wide receiver position. So he's lining up outside receiver slot, wing, tight end, backfield. And it's like you can move him around because he's a big body possession guy to, again, to exploit a matchup. Um, and he's someone who has really, really impressed me. Really strong hands, great chemistry with Schrader. We've seen some good back shoulder balls, digs. Uh, crossing routes, knows how to find pockets and zone coverage. Um, so I think we've been able to see a little bit of the blend between the scheme itself and the flexibility it provides and the purpose that the coaching staff is taking with it and directing toward the individual skills of, of the players it has. What is sort of, you know, I, I feel like I see you asking a lot of O-line questions, and I, I think we talked about this the last time we had you on. Camp comes to a close today. Where is your best offensive line right now? And as Dino has said, he wants that top seven. So who are, you know, your next two after that top line as well? Yeah, so I think the group is going to be left to right, Bergeron, Ellis, Veterello, Bleich, Davis. Um, the left side of the line, Bergeron and Ellis have worked there, like, exclusively through camp. So that's kind of, like, locked and loaded. Um, center, right guard, right tackle have shuffled throughout camp. Bleich started at center. Um, it was Bleich, Davis, Veterello for a little bit. And then Bleich got sick and Davis also missed a little bit of time. And like Enrique Cruz got run at right tackle and right guard. Um, we saw Josh Alaoa work at right guard and a little bit at center. Um, but for the last like week and a half, like when those, any of those three guys have been healthy, 
they've been playing those spots. So I think that'll be the grouping. I think it's a really good run block group. I mean, you've got four guys above 300 pounds and Veterell is like 292. Like it's the beefiest group they've had since 2018 for sure. Uh, I think pass pro wise, you've got a couple questions. Um, you know, Dakota Davis being the biggest one, does he have the mobility to, to get out on speed rushers? Um, you know, the, the line, the linemen have said he's got surprising, like he's, he does have good feet, but he's like 335 pounds. So it's a natural question. Right. And I think we're going to need to see how that works out. And, you know, do, do you send a little extra help his way? Um, Bleich had hip surgery after last season again, and he said he's feeling better than ever, but it limited his conditioning over the summer. And then he got sick during fall camp. So he was running after practice today. Like he's trying to get in shape for the season. Um, and then Veterello's snapping consistency has always been a bit of an issue. Um, so, you know, those are kind of, to me, the things that I'm looking at and like, oh, well, there's a few little weak links there, but big picture, like that is the best offensive line Syracuse has gone into week one with since 2018. So I, I think they're in a pretty good spot. And I think, uh, you know, I think Cruz who can play guard and tackle and Ilaoa who can play center and guard are probably the next two guys. And, um, you know, if either of them has to come in, they've gotten reps. So it's probably not like a total disaster, but it's definitely a step back. I think there's a pretty big separation from five to six. Um, Darius Tisdale could also be in the mix there, but he, he's been sick. That You know, Baber said he's been sick for the last week and a half or two weeks. So, you know, I don't know if that's – I don't know the exact nature of his illness. So is that something he's going to come back from and be okay, or might he be out for a while? Uh, I don't know. Ultimately, I don't think that affects things too much. He probably slots in capability-wise around where Cruz Nilo are. A little more experience, but, I mean, his pass protection was was not good last year. He was he came back from an injury midseason, but still not probably not the guy you want to have out there. You mentioned Enrique Cruz as one of those sixth or seventh guys, got some reps on the right side of the line. It seems like if you ask anybody around Syracuse football who's impressed you in camp, it's Enrique Cruz. Have you seen that as well as he's really separated himself from the rest of the backups? Yeah, I mean, look, he's just built like a like a starting offensive tackle. I mean, like you can't you can't pick those genetics. Like he's built like Matthew Bergeron. Like he's got lateral quickness. Uh, he's got size. He can get downhill. Um, you know, he got some first some first team and certainly plenty of second team snaps in the spring, and he got a lot more in the fall now. So I think – I just think it's like a natural progression thing, and ultimately he's going to have to play, and there will be more natural progression. And, uh, you know, I think ultimately he's going to be a really good player. Like I think Syracuse sees him as a future starter. Um you know, exactly how well will he do if he has to go into a game? And nobody really knows. Like Bergeron ended up starting at Florida State as a true freshman because um, – what's his name? The, the transfer they had left the team midseason. So – and Bergeron was, was pretty good from day one, honestly. I don't know. It's hard to expect anyone to really step in and do that well. But, yeah, I mean, I think he's a guy who they view as a multi-year starter down the line. Um, but if you put him in there, he does not have game experience. And, you know, he would be a step back from any of those five guys who are starting. Brian Alexander, by the way. There it is. My man. Uh, let's – I got to shift to the defense because I feel bad that we sort of let this almost player fall through the cracks the first time we had you on here. 
Jeremiah Wilson has been the highlight of my Twitter feed since you last <laughs> came on, including I think it was you know a video from you as well uh, of that one-handed grab for the interception in the back of the end zone. What have you seen out of him? How does you see sort of his role, you know, working with Garrett and Deuce? And where do you sort of see, you know, him filling in this year? And, and how have you just sort of seen him, you know, continue to grab attention and uh, praise so far in preseason camp? Yeah, I mean, everyone like says he's like one of the hardest workers they've ever seen. I get like that's like super cliche, but uh, this is pretty funny. When he came up for his official visit, Garrett Williams was his host. And um, Garrett asked him what he wanted to do that night. And, like, obviously the guys, like, go out and have a good time. Like, that's part of the recruiting experience. And he wanted to go to, to the NZ Athletic Center and, like, get in field work like, <laughs> on an official visit. Like, that's just, like, I don't know. It's just so ridiculous. But, I mean, that's, like, that's who he is. I remember talking to him through his recruitment. And, like, he's, like, super narrowed in on, like, becoming, like, the best football player he can be. Like, that's that is all he cares about, and um, that's shown since he got here. I think he stylistically is very similar to Garrett, like a smaller guy, um, really good feet, very focused on technique, and he's gotten to the point now where he's putting himself in the right spots, and that means you have a chance to make a play, right? Like if you're getting there in time to make a play on the ball, you can then do the things that the casual fan really only sees. Uh, um so, yeah, I mean, he had that interception. He had an interception in a scrimmage. Um, you know, as he dropped an interception a few days ago, so he's not perfect. He's still a freshman. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think he's really promising. Um, might seem a little bit on specials. I, I don't know how much he'll actually play because, like, if Garrett and Deuce are healthy, they're not coming off the field. Yeah. You know, but Garrett had a nagging hamstring injury last year, and I know he's worked really hard to um, – on a lot of injury prevention stuff to hopefully put follow the path of a Fatu Malafanu and have a healthy last year and go off to the NFL and uh, and chase his dreams. Um, but if you need to plug a guy in, it might be Jeremiah Wilson. Uh, it also might be Isaiah Johnson, the Dartmouth corner transfer. Uh, bigger body, much more of a press guy, uh, really physical with the line of scrimmage, a little bit shakier recovering and later in the routes than, than Jeremiah. Um, but those two guys are, are pretty close. They both worked in with the ones a little bit today. Uh, Deuce was in sweats and watching team period from the side for the second day. I mean, he's still doing other stuff. So, you know, I can't, I don't really know enough to like, it, it doesn't seem serious basically from what I've seen without knowing anymore. But in any case, those two guys seem to be on similar footing. So, uh, I don't know who will end up being that third corner if they do like a left-right thing or, or they just decide one is better. Uh, but it's an important role. Adrian Cole played a lot of snaps last year and, uh, you know, could end up being Jeremiah. Even if it's not, you know, he's positioned well to uh, to get on the field next season. Gotcha. And how about one more D-back, Elijah Clark Cinco, yeah. they call him, from Rutgers. What have you seen from him? Yeah, I think he's going to be really good, and I think he is definitely going to play a lot. I think he's a perfect fit for the field safety position they have in the three-three-five. A lot of coverage against slot receivers, and he played corner for Rutgers, so he's got a lot of natural cover skills. Breaks re really well on the ball. Um, you know, I, I think him and Jason – I mean, Jason Simmons got hurt, so I think those guys will both play at that position. And Jason can also play on the boundary – um, so, you know, they've got some positional flexibility there. 
uh, I, I think I would not be surprised to see Elijah Clark make some big plays this year. Um, you know, we'll see that that that's that last line of defense, the safety position. I think everyone has focused on the defensive line and for good reason, but the play of, of those three positions back there could end up being just as important because the defensive line doesn't give up big plays usually. Now they might open up a hole that results in a big play, but the safety is the one who misses the last tackle. Usually the, sa- <laughs> you know, the guy gets behind the safety, right? Like that's the last line of defense. And if those guys can avoid doing that and force teams to work their way down the field and throw against Syracuse's two great corners and drop back in coverage against, you know, with Stefan Thompson rushing the, rushing the pasture and, you know, Michael Jones and Marlo Wax up there. Like I, th- I think the value of the safeties is extremely high this season. And, and Elijah's positioned himself to be one of the important guys in that room. You, you sort of alluded to the D line a little bit there in terms of, you know, if someone gets by there, it's not as noticeable as when your safety gets burned. What's your, uh, what's sort of the D line update and sort of the progression of, of, you know, your, your sort of trio at this point on the D line. Yeah, I mean, it's just one of those things where, like, everyone internally just is, like, totally they, – they think everyone's going to be good and, and all the young guys are going to be great. And, like, it's just, like, kind of pushing confidence internally to hopefully get, like, the best results possible. You know, there's going to be mistakes for sure. Um, I think the first few guys are pretty solid. I think Caleb Okachukwu is poised for his best season yet as a defensive end. Um, you'll see a lot of Terry Lockett at defensive tackle. And after that, I kind of got to see it to believe it from everybody. And and Steve Linton is is the X factor is kind of how I'm viewing him. He could lead the team in sacks and tackles for loss and draw double teams and, you know, be a, be a menace as a pass rusher. But he's like 220 pounds. So, you know, how's he going to do on standard downs? Is he going to be able to get off blocks in the run game? And he's kind of been in and out of practice through fall camp. Is that like a preventative thing or is he already, you know, a little bit dinged up? Uh, I think two guys who you'll see a lot of at defensive end are um, Jatias Gear and Chase Simmons, two redshirt freshmen, both promising guys. Uh, Simmons a little more versatile at 260, can kind of move around. Uh, Gear a little bit smaller, but I think really dynamic and explosive. So I think both of those guys are going to play and they're going to get better as the season goes on. As we know, the way the schedule is set up, that's not really conducive, right? Like you're yeah. playing Louisville in week one and then you've got Purdue and Virginia in, again in your first five weeks. And if you want to go bowling, like you probably need to win two of those games. Yeah. So those guys, those guys are in important spots. Uh, I think you'll see Kayvon Darton play at defensive tackle, probably behind Terry. You know, Terry's been, in and out of the lineup a little bit lately. So maybe it's closer to a timeshare at the start, but I, I think, I think Terry and, and Caleb are the two, the two guys who are probably going to be the most reliable up front. And then you'll see from those, those next four, uh, Dennis uh, Jacquez Jr., a true freshman at defensive end is someone who I think is going to play. He's made, you know, made some plays. He's an early enrollee. So he learned the system quickly and now he's already kind of helping teach the other young guys. He's someone who I'd keep an eye on as a potential breakout freshman. Um, but, you know, it, you just going down the, re- the resumes, like you can see 
that's not <laughs> that's not ideal. Like you compare it to the linebackers and the cornerbacks and and even the safeties, where you have Jod Carter back as one of your best players. Rob Hanna and Justin Barron have played Rover before. You know they've been out there and played a lot of games. Uh, Jason Simmons Jr. and Elijah Clark. Like the experience in the back eight is there. In the front three, there's there's going to be some issues, and I I think the onus is going to be on the linebackers and the safeties to to cover them up and you know, limit those missed tackles and missed assignments to five and six and eight and 10 yard gains and, and not explosive plays that uh, limits the capabilities of the defense. We're up against it. So this is the last one we've got. You've been to 10 training camps now, since you told us. Where does this team rank? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's toward the top, honestly, like, if you're kind of cross comparing the rosters themselves and not looking at like the schedules, like if you take the 10 best players on this team, they're probably, you can make a case for them against any other. I mean, the 2018 team, obviously, you know, in retrospect is probably going to get the nod with some of those guys, but yeah, I mean, Sean Tucker, Matthew Bergeron, Michael Jones, Stefan Thompson, Marlo Wax, Garrett Deuce, Jihad Carter, like Andre Schmidt. I mean, I'm, I'm probably missing somebody tired but you know the the top of the roster is really good like those are guys who are trying to play in the nfl and some of them will carve out careers uh that you couldn't say that about some teams in the past so yeah I, I think it's one of the most talented teams they have the question is can they can they do enough to mitigate their weaknesses to make it through a really really tough schedule which that we all know even ba- you know? oh, my bad i'm sorry sorry that is Stephen yeah. Bailey of 24-7 Sports. Stephen, thanks so much for coming back. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. If you want to go get more on the ACC, go make Lockdown ACC your second listen every day. Candace Cooper's got you for 30 minutes. Make Lockdown ACC your second listen. We're back tomorrow with more coverage of Syracuse Athletics. We will see you then.